Hello friends, welcome to Experiencing Love. My name is Renee Lemon. And my name is Mike Lemon. And we want to welcome you to this very first It Is Written Canada virtual partnership event that is about experiencing life. We are so glad that you can join us from wherever you are in Canada or in another country in the world. Welcome and happy Sabbath. Last year at this time, we just started working at It Is Written Canada wow. and so much has happened Absolutely. in one year. It has. This past year, we have been able to partner with a number of other ministries across the country and even outside of Canada. We've preached in many other churches, on campuses and on campgrounds, and we've extended the ministry of It Is Written Canada online, on television, and we've also added some new programs, which you might have seen, some of which you will see in our new season. We will be sharing some of those highlights tomorrow during our Sabbath worship event, so you don't want to miss that premiere event at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. At this virtual partnership, we wish to open up God's Word with you and unveil the experiential truth that is found in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. The truth is that there is an evidence that is open to all, the most highly educated and the most illiterate, the evidence of experience. God invites us to prove for ourselves the reality of his word, the truth of his promises. He bids us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Instead of depending upon the word of another, we are to taste for ourselves. He declares, ask and ye shall receive. Around 2,000 years ago, a disciple of Jesus known as John the Beloved expressed the truth about experiencing life so conclusively when he wrote these words. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. In a moment, we are going to invite Sanj Sukumaran and his accompaniment onto the stage to lead out in the singing of our theme song, In Christ Alone. But before we do that, we want to invite you to bow your heads with us as we pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the assurance that we have in believing and trusting your word. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yes, Lord, the scriptures assure us that in Jesus we live and move and have our being. Lord, if you were to neglect us for a moment, we would all perish. You have come and you will be coming again very soon because your desire for us is to experience life and experience it much more abundantly from now and forevermore into the ceaseless ages of eternity. So Lord, please bless each one of us now during our time together on this, your blessed Sabbath day. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen. 
blank white canvas. And we dip that canvas into a bathtub filled with red paint. And we leave it there to soak for two weeks. After two weeks, what do you see? Well, you reach in and pull out a red canvas. So do you think any of the original plain white canvas will show through? Not a chance. Every fiber and microfiber of the canvas is soaked and saturated in red paint. Now, what if that was you? Excuse me? No, I, I don't mean what if you were soaked and saturated in red paint. What I mean is, what if you were soaked and saturated in the love of Jesus? What if every fiber and microfiber of your being was immersed in the goodness of Christ? What would you look like? Well, I would look like Jesus. I would be fully alive. I would experience life. I would be truthful, kind, compassionate, forgiving, patient, and I would live at peace with all people. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says that those who have been baptized are soaked and saturated in Jesus. They have put on Jesus so that you now are a living Jesus yourself. None of the plain old you shows through. Mm -hmm. In Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 31, he uses this phrase, In Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. So here's a challenge. We want to encourage you to take the plunge every day, become soaked and saturated in the love of Jesus so that when others look at you, they will not see you, they will see Jesus. So whether or not you're soaked and saturated in Jesus is a choice. So what if? What if what? What if certain decisions weren't made, certain things in your life did not happen? What if you didn't choose Jesus? Would you be the person that you are today? No, definitely not. If I didn't choose Jesus, then I couldn't be the person that I am today. It's, it's, it's like a chain reaction. Like if I didn't go to school, I wouldn't have been able to read. And if someone hadn't given me a Bible and challenged me to read it, then I wouldn't have chosen Jesus. So by reading the Bible every day, I became soaked and saturated in the love of Jesus, in the mind of Jesus. I thought like him. As it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, I was born again through the living and enduring word of God. So I wouldn't have truly experienced life. I wouldn't be a Christian. So if certain things in your life didn't happen, then you wouldn't be the person that you are today either. And it's the same for everybody. You have choices to make, and the choices that you make make you who you are. Mm -hmm. What if those things were just little things? Like what? Like, what if you hadn't said something really small to someone, like maybe one word? Or maybe if you hadn't smiled at someone, could that have changed their life? Mm. Absolutely. 
See, life is actually made up of little things. Think about the canvas. If it had all kinds of dots of white on it instead of the red, that's, that's not the big choice. So when you said that one word to me, when I asked you to marry me, you said yes. If you hadn't said that one word, which changed my life, it seems like such a small word, but it really is not. The one little word, yes, changed my life. It changed your life. Mm-hmm. Actually, love, you asked my parents first Correct. if you could marry me, and they said yes. That's first. True. <laughs> so it was kind of a chain reaction of one word answers that changed not just me, but it changed us. It gave us an amazing marriage. It gave us two amazing daughters and it gave us all the love that anyone could ever ask for. That's true. So there really are no little things in life. Did you know that there is something that's called the butterfly effect? which asks a very interesting question. Does the flap of a butterfly's wings in Brazil set off a tornado in Texas? Um, No, a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil could not possibly set off a tornado in Texas. Are you sure? Mm, It doesn't seem possible. So we already know that there's a sensitive dependence on little changes, little things that can produce large changes. It was a mathematician and meteorologist by the name of Edward Lorenz who introduced the idea of the butterfly effect. He tried to make basic simulations, a computer simulation of the Earth's atmosphere, and he discovered that by making very minor alterations of variables such as atmospheric pressure and temperature and humidity and things like that, it would completely change his forecasts. So the flap of a butterfly's wing might make tiny changes in the Earth's atmosphere that may ultimately alter the path of a tornado or even delay or accelerate or even prevent the occurrence of a tornado in another location. So the butterfly does not power or directly create the tornado, but the flap of its wings can trigger the tornado in the sense that the flap of the wings of the butterfly is a part of the initial conditions of an interconnected complex web, a set of conditions that may lead to a tornado, while in another set of conditions, It may not. So had the butterfly not flapped its wings, the weather might have been vastly different. Right, and that's why it's so hard to predict the weather. And yet, we could predict the weather or the future if we could see all the variables, the actions and decisions that are made in our world. Yes, but only God can predict the future because he is the only one who can see all these Mm -hmm. variables. Isaiah 46 verse 10 says, The Lord can declare the end from the beginning. So God sees all the mathematical variables of every choice and action, and he can predict the end from what looks like our chaotic choices and behaviors. Even the little words we use can change everything. 
Take a look at these words I read the other day. How little you know the bearing of your daily acts upon the history of others. You may think that what you do or say is of little consequence when the most important results for good or evil are the consequence of our words and actions. The words and actions looked upon as so small and unimportant are links in the long chain of human events. I was once driving home late one night from a meeting and it was really late. I came to a red light and so I stopped and another car stopped right next to me on my left and the guy in the other car leaned on his horn and he started waving at me. But I didn't know what was going on. Like why is this guy waving at me? I didn't do anything wrong, at least I didn't think so. And I didn't recognize the guy. And so I simply kind of sheepishly waved back at the guy and he shouted at me and he asked me to roll down my window. And so when I did, he said these strange words to me. He said, what you said the other day really changed my life. And I was like, what? What did I say? First, I don't even know this guy. And now he's telling me that the words that I said changed his life. And so I said to him, well, you must have me mistaken with someone else. I, I, don't, I don't think I know you. And then he said, well, you don't know me, but I know you. You're Mike Lemon. And I heard you say the other day these words, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And those words changed my life. What you said the other day sent me to my knees and they changed my life. It's changed my relationship with my wife and with my children. So your words made a difference in the life of someone you didn't even know. You never know who's listening or how you can impact their lives. Yeah, and after that, when that guy said that, the light turned green and I never saw him ever again. <laughs> the Bible says that little words matter. Like, look at these words from Proverbs 25, verse 11. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken at the right time. At the right time. Yeah, that guy, he thought that my words changed his life. But the truth was that his words changed my life at that moment. Because that night when I was driving home, he didn't know it. But I was thinking to myself, I wonder if what I'm doing in my life even matters to anybody. And as I was thinking those gloomy thoughts, then this stranger pulls up next to me and says, hey buddy, what you said the other day really changed my life. It reminds me of the story your students filmed on the chain reaction of kindness. Yeah, it's a short message, and we're gonna show that message to you right now. So please take a look at this, and afterwards we will talk about it. Take 
So did you see what happened there? Isn't that cool how one handwritten note could be passed from one person to the next and bless their lives for the better? So many people's lives were falling apart and that one young lady took time to read her Bible and God inspired her to write an encouraging note to one of them. And that note was passed from one person to the next to the next until it continued to transform people's lives. Jesus lived this way. He lived to bless others. And when we live that way, it changes us. It all happened for that lady because that young lady was soaked and saturated in the love of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Look at this quote from an amazing book on the life of Jesus called The Desire of Ages. It says, Bible religion is not one influence among many others. Its influence is to be supreme, pervading and controlling every other. It is not to be like a dash of color brushed here and there upon the canvas, but it is to pervade the whole life as if the canvas were dipped into the color until every thread of the fabric were dyed a deep, unfading hue. So the whole life must be soaked and saturated in the love of Jesus, and then your whole life will become a full life. A beautiful story in the Bible that gives us a picture of a full life is the story of Ruth. The story of Ruth paints a very beautiful picture of a life that is soaked and saturated in God's unconditional love. The story starts with tragedy and death. There is a famine in the land of Judah and a lady named Naomi, her husband and two sons go to Moab to get food. And her two sons, they get married to two Moabite girls by the name of Orpah and Ruth. But in the first few verses, Naomi's husband and her two sons die and Naomi is left with no family, except her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Mm -hmm. Naomi is grieving. 
Maybe some of you know what that is like to lose a number of loved ones all at once. My grandmother was just like that. She outlived two husbands and she lost a lot of siblings. And it was so hard for her not to feel bitter. And for us, any of us, not to feel bitter when something like that happens to us. So you guessed it, Naomi became very bitter. In the Old Testament, names are important. And Naomi's name means pleasantness. But after the death of her husband and her two sons, she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Mara means bitterness. So Naomi is saying, don't call me pleasantness. Call me bitterness. So Orpah and Ruth, Naomi's two daughter-in-laws, are stuck with this bitter old lady. They are bound by their custom and by their culture to stay with her because she literally has no one else. Mm -hmm. Naomi needs them because she is a poor, old widow. And this is when Naomi shows her unselfish love for her two daughters-in-law. She knows that they are bound by their custom to stay with her. But she kisses them and she urges them repeatedly, go back to Moab, go back to Moab, go back to Moab. You don't want to waste the rest of your life living with me, a bitter old lady. But they refuse by saying, we will go back with you to your people. Mm -hmm. Naomi then reasons with them and says, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? In other words, what do, you, what do I have to offer you? There's nothing in it for you. You are young and you have your whole lives ahead of you. The last thing you need is to be stuck with an old woman for the rest of your life. I have no more sons for you to marry. I have no riches and even if I found a husband and married him today, would you want to wait for me to have a boy and for him to come of age so that you can marry him? And both girls start weeping. And finally, one of them, Orpah, gives up. She says, I'm out. And she kisses her mother-in-law goodbye. And she goes back to her home and her family in Moab. Mm -hmm. But Ruth clings to Naomi and won't let her go. And Naomi urges her, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Mm -hmm. And these next words are the most beautiful words in the whole story. Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Those words are so beautiful because there's really nothing in it for Ruth. And Naomi gave her a way out. She opened the door and even told her repeatedly, it's better for you to go home. Go back to your home in Moab. And as a young girl with her whole life ahead of her, 
why didn't she just return back home? Because Ruth was listening to her own conscience. She was living by the golden rule, which says, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. In other words, if I was in Naomi's position, I would want, no, I would need somebody to love and take care of me. So Ruth lives by the golden rule and she experiences life. By the way, the name Ruth means friend. And by gluing herself to Naomi, she becomes a spiritual daughter of Abraham, who is in scripture called the friend of God. And if you are a friend of God, then you will be also a friend of people because God loves people. So when Ruth goes to Bethlehem, she doesn't sit around waiting for life to get better. She rolls up her sleeves and says, if we're going to eat, I'm gonna have to put some food on the table. And the Bible says that it was a time of harvest. And so Ruth, she goes behind the harvesters and she picks up the gleanings, the leftovers of grain from the field. And the field just happens to belong to a mighty man of wealth by the name of Boaz, who happens to be a family relative of Naomi's late husband. And Boaz, besides being wealthy, is also a very generous man. And he makes sure that the harvesters intentionally leave extra grain for Ruth. Nothing just happens by accident in life. Ruth didn't just happen to end up in the field of Boaz, who just happened to be a family relative of Naomi's late husband, who was a single, generous, mighty man of wealth, and a likely candidate as being her future husband. If your eyes could be opened, if the veil could be drawn aside on your life, you would see how when you choose to embrace the Lord and make Him your God, His unseen hand guides you and gives you opportunities to really experience a happy life. Even when you go through tragic times like Ruth and Naomi did. Now, Boaz is the key man in God's plan for Ruth's happy life. And Boaz is a man whose life is soaked and saturated in the Lord. Mm -hmm. So how can you tell? Well, because of his words. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So take a look at the words that a person uses and you'll be able to tell what is in their heart. So just look here at the very first words of Boaz recorded in the Bible. In chapter two, verse four, it says, just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and he greeted the harvesters. Now look at these words, the Lord be with you. So. Boaz's life is so soaked and saturated in his relationship with the Lord that he speaks about the Lord all the time and it flows out of his mouth. He just can't help it. So can you see what's happening here? A godly man who is soaked and saturated in the love of the Lord is about to meet a godly woman who is also soaked and saturated in the love of the Lord and 
you know the story. Boy meets girl and they get married and they live happily ever after. Well, let me ask you a question. What made Boaz interested in Ruth? I think there is one character trait that Ruth possesses that he has fallen in love with. So what is that? Well, he calls her a virtuous woman. And did you know that Ruth is the only woman in the whole Bible who is specifically called a virtuous woman? That doesn't mean there's no other virtuous women in the Bible. And Boaz, he calls her a virtuous woman in chapter three and verse 11, when he says, all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. So she has a good reputation, an honorable reputation, because of the way that she treated her mother-in-law and because the way she has now become a follower of the one true God. So she is called a virtuous woman. Mm -hmm. In Proverbs 31, we see the attributes of a virtuous woman. She is compassionate, loyal, honest, industrious, bold, hospitable, friendly, honorable, loving, and very hardworking. I believe that Boaz, now get this, was attracted to Ruth because she reminded him of his mother. Matthew 1 verse 5 tells us that the mother of Boaz was Rahab the harlot from Jericho, who married a man of God named Salmon. Yes, and although Rahab was once a harlot, she became a virtuous woman too. Mm -hmm. Remember how she protected the spies who came to Jericho? She was bold and hospitable and industrious and friendly too. And by protecting the spies, Rahab was able to not only save her own life, but she was able to save her entire family's life. And Rahab, like Ruth, was also a foreigner who left her people and became a Jewish woman, a compassionate and loyal, virtuous woman of God. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. That a harlot makes one little decision and changes her whole identity. And she changes not only her identity, but her whole life history and her family history. From being an immoral woman, she becomes a moral, virtuous woman, giving her son the picture of the kind of woman that he should look for as a future bride. The book of Ruth ends with the birth of Obed, the first son of Ruth and Boaz the grandson of Naomi, and Rahab and Salmon, and the end we discover that they are all ancestors of King David, who is a key figure in the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So how's that for experiencing life? When we trust God and live according to His will and divine principles, when our lives are soaked and saturated in His love, then he turns our chaos into a beautiful, harmonious picture of love and grace. Before we invite Sanje and Lavona and Danilo to sing for us, we want to appeal to you to take the plunge and recommit your life to Jesus. As you listen and sing along with us, think of Jesus 
and how when you choose to soak and saturate your life in His love, that choice will lead to a chain reaction that will never end. Sanj, we invite you and Danilo and Lubana onto the stage to lead this Friday evening Vespers type sing-along for us right now. As Sanj makes his way up onto the stage, let me tell you a little bit about him as the worship leader of this team. Sanj is a good friend and he is a worship musician and worship leader. He started early as the church pianist in his small town at age 12 and playing as well as singing for worship through high school as well as leading in worship in university on a regular basis. He spent many summers as a staff member at Camp Frenda, developing as a worship musician. He has functioned as a professional musician, teaching, singing and playing professionally as well as leading in worship. Sanj has been a member of various musical groups including the SDA Choral Ensemble as a soloist as well as a choral member. Currently Sanj is involved in leading in worship for multiple churches and denominations. Sanj has even authored a book on worship entitled Why Comes First, How Comes Next, Worship as God Intended. And his book is available on Amazon. Sanj, thank you for being so willing to lead our worship in song at this time. And friends, please stick with us because Renee and I would like to have a special time of prayer with you after this time of singing before we end tonight's meeting. Thank you, Sanj. I miss church. I miss being together. I miss worshiping together. I especially miss singing together. That said, I've also learned during this downtime that there's more. There's more to worship that I've kind of been missing out on. And it is that personal interaction with Christ. I've been so accustomed to doing it corporately and sort of just doing it and it's done for me. Now that I'm home with my family, I've certainly learned to focus on things that are more important, let's say. And that's my personal walk. I've found out that I want to become more involved in meaningful worship, meaningful outreach. You folks are here as people who already have found something that you're holding on to, that you're worshiping with. And tonight, we're able to be together to worship together in a different way, but still we're here to worship together. We're not, when I worship in church, it's not so others hear me. I'm singing to my heavenly father. So I'm asking you and encouraging you to sing along with us. The words are actually going to be on the bottom of the screen. The first song we're doing is actually songs from my childhood that I might have sung at my family worship, you know, early in the morning when I was barely awake, but I was singing. And those songs have really stuck with me through my lifetime and have been a resource that I've drawn upon. We're going to sing a, a grouping of songs, of children's songs, but they're songs that are for adults and for all times in life. Join us as we sing. 
precious, more precious than gold. I live for Jesus day after day.
As I walk, let me walk close to thee. One of the things that I've discovered during this downtime, in times of personal reflection, is how much I have learned to appreciate my natural surroundings. It's always been there, but I've learned to see it when before perhaps I didn't. The song, I Come to the Garden Alone, is a beautiful song that I never truly understood. But in one of my things that I do now on Sabbath mornings is I go out early in the morning and I take video of my natural surroundings. Then I'll come home and I'll put them to music. And I understand this song now. Spending time with Jesus, spending that one-on-one -on -one time while the dew is still on the roses, those early mornings, those beautiful times, I come to the garden alone.
When we walk with the Lord, we have this personal journey. 
we come to understand that we can and we need to trust Him. We need to put our faith in Him. The things we're uncertain about, turn it over to Him. Give it to Him. When we turn it over to Him, what are we? We become servants to Christ. What is it to be a servant to Christ? To be a slave to Christ, really. To do His will because He loves us. These next three songs are songs of the faith that speak to that sentiment, where we can put our trust in Him, our faith in Him, and we can just turn it all over to Him. Join us.
Thank you so much for that inspiring music, Sanj, Lavona, and Danilo. Friends, we have a friend who, like Naomi and Ruth, lost her husband tragically. And she told us that after her husband's death, she wanted to die too, which is completely understandable. But when she saw that there were so many people who needed her to live, her sons and their families, her grandchildren, then she decided that she was going to live. She decided that God wanted her to live, not for herself, but for the sake of others. And you know, she is a very active member of her church. And she's a very active member of her neighborhood. And she is also a very supportive partner of Eddie's Written Canada. So she has been a real inspiration to us. Mm -hmm. So we want to leave you with this verse from Proverbs chapter 21, 21. I hope it encourages you. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Friends, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent your only Son, Jesus, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We thank you, Lord, for the beautiful picture that you painted in your word through the record of the decisions of Ruth and Boaz. Their lives were soaked and saturated in your love. And we thank you that through Jesus, their very great-grandson, as well as our Savior and their Savior, through Jesus, we have life. Because your word tells us that whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Lord, it is our desire to not only have the Son, but for the Son to have us. So as we close our meeting this evening, we place our lives in your mighty hands, and we ask you to bless us and keep us in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Friends, we would also like to remind you and invite you to join us again tomorrow morning for the rest of our online It Is Written Canada virtual partnership event. We'll be starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you don't make it on time, then we will make sure that we keep a recording of this premiere event on our webpage, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. We also would like to invite you to follow us on these platforms, Instagram and Facebook, and to subscribe to our YouTube channel, and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our webpage, you can see our latest programs, including our short spiritual messages entitled Daily Living. They are all there free for you to watch whenever you choose because we want you to experience the truth that is found in the words of Jesus when he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca. Or you can go to IIW Canada YouTube and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.